HMP. And good afternoon, and thank you for joining us on this Wednesday afternoon. Hello, Dan. Hey, Buzz. You feeling a little wet out there? It was a little wet when I came in. Um, yeah, actually, they're talking about some kind of a wind alert or something. Wind alert? Yeah. So. Those are exciting, huh, Buzz? Well, if you don't leave anything outside, it's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot exciting. Before I turn to today's guest, I'm very excited about today's guest, but I just saw, speaking of alerts, an alert come across my screen that said that the House has voted, I think it's 290 to 137, um, to bind unions to the terms that were negotiated when uh, the administration intervened in the uh, railroad, pending railroad strike mm. thing. Now, the president was all pro-labor, but I'm a little bit concerned that the unions are being, uh, in the name of saving the economy, says President Biden, um, uh, compelling them to some terms that they may not, some of those unions. Right. I think there's four out of the out of the twelve, so yes. eight approved and four didn't. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he's supposed to be the labor president, so I, you know, I don't know about what, how little, that's going to sell uh, that. But yeah, I don't know what I would do if I really believed that the impact on the economy would be as dire as what uh, the administration predicts. Yeah. I don't know what but, I would do. I, I'd like to think I'd fall on the side of workers. Yeah, but, you'd have to, and especially if you keep saying that you're the most pro labor president. You should be, and uh, you really got to kind of push the companies. So that's well, my view of it. But as well, I just wanted to say before you go, the House Oversight Committee also received Donald Trump's taxes from the IRS directly. So well, they better get working on them. I'll tell you, I'd love to see what they see. But anyway, but let's go back to the economy because I am so excited. There is, um, we have someone whose voice I'm really interested in hearing about the current state of our economy. And by way of disclosure, back in the mid-70s, I graduated from the university, the great university of Massachusetts, uh, uh, in the program that's called Social Thought and Political Economy, a multidisciplinary uh, program in which I have uh, much gratitude uh, for. I went on to law school, and I've had a career where I've never sort of left those principles which guided me in in those studies and we have coming up um this weekend we have a conference that is um it sounds really fantastic it's on global inflation today what is to be done and uh we, it's being uh, done by the political economy research institute that's peri p-e-r-i is the acronym and the professor of economics and co-director of peri is Gerald Epstein and Jerry, you are here on the phone with us. Thank you I for am. joining us. Well, thank you very much. And first of all, go Stepic, the Social Fund Political Economy Program. It is such a, a great program at UMass, and it's wonderful to hear um, an alum from an alum who really appreciated that. So, oh yeah, it, it was fifty years ago, and I almost and I, uh, I I'm so grateful that that's what I chose as a major because. Um, uh, it was so flexible. I was taking courses. I ended up being heavy in economics. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, Steve Resnick and um, Rick Wolf. Uh, Rick Wolf, we have on this program periodically. I think he's been on about four times. He's brilliant still to mm -hmm. this day. He's ever the educator. Mm -hmm. And um, I, heavy on political science, a lot of philosophy. And I walked out of there. Uh, I went in there barely understanding how to really study, and I walked out of there not only learn, having learned how to study, but learned the value of theory. And and um, to this day, I I'm a I'm a theory lover. <laughs> <laughs> so well, thank that's you. Good. And and what we try to do at Perry uh, Political Economy Research Institute is is take uh, good theory and um, apply it to to uh, learn more about the world, more, more about facts and evidence, and then um, try to arm especially political activists uh, with information that, uh, that they need and want uh, to make progressive change. So that's, that's what we're about, and, and that's why we're um, having this conference uh, this weekend. Yeah, so let's talk about this. I'm looking at the conference schedule. Oh, my goodness, Jerry, it is packed with interesting stuff. Well, the uh, the motivation for it actually came from uh, the idea for it came from my co-director Bob Poland, 
over the summer he said you know, by the way i think it was in the last summer but we had bob on this on the program as well and he okay oh, yeah good. he was fantastic well we co-direct the institute and we and we, we um, and he said look you know this inflation issue is really starting not only to uh harm people in the economy but it's also starting to be used by policymakers like at the federal reserve and uh in the government to uh, wage a war on workers and so we really need to get um top uh, progressive economists together to figure out uh, what the, what are the causes of this thing and who's being helped and who's being hurt and what are more progressive policies for dealing with it so that's the focus of our conference and most of mostly it's focusing um on the US but we have uh, papers also on developing countries on Europe and so forth so we're trying to cast a wide net well, we're in a particularly interesting economy right now, or at least I find it so, and uh, I try to make sense of it like a lot of Americans do. Uh, or maybe not just Americans, <laughs> global citizens are trying mm-hmm. to make sense of of uh, what is going on. And so th- this, it seems to me a large undertaking, global inflation today, what is to be done? Um, when you say arming activists, um, what kinds of things can we learn attending this conference that we won't be able to learn from reading the news well um for one thing it's we we need to try to understand what's causing this inflation and there's a lot of rhetoric out there um of course from the right wing and and others uh saying that well it's all it's it's all uh the the biden administration is the democrats um they uh, pass these bills the infrastructure bill um the uh COVID relief bill, all of this spending is what's causing the inflation, and so uh, what we really need to do is cut back on all of this government spending that, that helped workers and helped people. Um, and uh, and the truth is, 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 that's not the truth at all. I mean, it's much, more, uh, much different from that. Uh, so we have papers that talk about the global, the global roots of inflation, um, that, inf- that inf- if you look at data on inflation, it's gone up all over the world, um, in both rich countries like in Europe as well as in de- uh, developing countries. So it's certainly not a U.S.-centered uh, problem, so you can't really blame uh, U.S. policy per se for, you know, for, for this inflation. Um, so it looks at other aspects of inflation. So, for example, the uh, supply chain problems that came out of the pandemic when um, there wasn't a lot of uh, many of the factories were shut down. The transportation networks got all screwed up. Uh, so that's one thing that has we're still um, having impacts from that. So that's the supply chain problems. A second uh, problem is um, you talk about the the lack of of workers for some jobs. Um, there are a lot of people who uh, have long COVID. There are problems with affordable childcare, so that people can't go back to work. Um, there's a real uh, war on immigration, so um, immigrants uh, who have uh, played an important role in our economy in many jobs um, are finding it harder to come into the country and get jobs. So there's a, a lot of factors um, limiting, again, the supply, and this time the, the supply of workers. Uh, also, what we find is that a lot of businesses are taking advantage of this limited supply, um, the supply-side problems, to raise their profit margins. So there's a lot of price gouging going on. One estimate from uh, Josh Bivens from the Economic Policy Institute, who's going to be at our conference, is that about 50% of the inflation can be accounted for by price gouging, essentially, by uh, corporations that have a lot of monopoly power or or pricing power. Um, So a lot's coming from that. Uh, and finally, yes, there may be uh, some truth to the fact that government spending um, has contributed somewhat to inflation in the U.S., but think about what the alternative was. If we hadn't had the government spending following the pandemic, um, our, our economy would have, uh, would have perhaps collapsed. I mean, you know, nobody could work, or very few people could work. People couldn't get their incomes. Um, so it supported the economy during that period. And so if you think about, well, what would have been um, worse, uh, just letting our economy go down the tubes and, and households not have jobs or incomes, um, or uh, support the economy as the government did, 
and, and uh, help it get out of this, this big pandemic problem. So um, those are the things that we will explore on the causation side, and then we also want to talk about solutions. We are talking with Professor Jerry Epstein, uh, economist at the University of Massachusetts and co-director of the Political Economy Research Institute. The conference we're talking about will be held this Friday and Saturday, December 2nd uh, through 3rd. And if people want to sign up for this conference, how, it's called the Perry Conference, um, which is Political Economy Research Institute, how do people sign up? They should go to Perry's website, uh, so they could Google Perry, P-E-R-I, at the University of Massachusetts, or they could go directly to www.peri, P-E-R-I, dot U-M-A-S-S, U-M-A-S-S, dot E-D-U. And on the front page of, of our website, um, there's information about the conference and how to sign up. So, uh, Professor, I, I had a question here for you. This is Dan. Um, sure. Something you said uh, made me think of this question just moments ago. You talked about some federal spending might have had an influence on inflation. And my question to you, maybe without getting it too technical here, but doesn't it really matter how where the money was allocated by the federal government? Because we've been, for at least a very long time now, since if we go back to 2008, in a sort of deflation-like environment, or very low inflation, I should say, for a long time. And the government uh, was was printing money, spending a lot of money, and there was no inflation there. And then the pandemic really changed the environment, where, at least from my perspective in reading articles, it went a lot more towards direct payments. And you were referencing that. Had we not done that, it would have been a larger contraction, and we would have had massive deflation in the economy and on top of massive unemployment and all of those issues. But can you just talk a little bit about how how the government can allocate resources without causing inflation? Well, um, there, there are a couple of parts to your question. One is what happened after the 2007-2008 uh, crisis. The government did come in, they spent a lot of money, but they mostly bailed out the banks, and they didn't give a, a lot of support for households and, and small businesses and, and so forth. Um, now, that helped to protect the economy from a complete financial meltdown, but it meant that there was a very slow uh, growth out of that 2007-2008 recession that took, you know, eight, nine, ten years to get the unemployment rate down to a low level. Um, and so what the government decided to do this time, when we, the pandemic hit, um, is not, not to... Uh, allow that to happen again and to bolster the economy so that we could keep unemployment low, um, bring the economy down, uh, up, excuse me, up from the crisis and keep unemployment low uh, quicker than we did during the great financial crisis. Mm. And the problem was that had the, at the same time that they were trying to sustain incomes for people, uh, the supply side problems, the supply chain problems, the production problems and so forth, uh, became uh, very uh, significant around the world. So you had this attempt to sustain people's livelihoods, people's incomes, while the supply side was in trouble. And so when those two things kind of uh, hit each other about a year ago, um, that led to a, too little supply being met with, um, you know, some in, uh, some income and mm. some, some money, and that led to some price increases. And so, you know, people are saying, well, maybe the government shouldn't have done that. But if you think about the alternative of uh, people not having jobs, people not having incomes, it seems like uh, they made the right choice. So I had a quick follow-up, um, and it also, I guess, exposed some of the weaknesses to having a global supply chain in the economy. And now there seems to be at least some energy towards bringing back production. Can you just talk a little bit about that before we take a break? Sure. Um, yeah, I think that there's been an understanding that being too dependent on this very tight supply chain around the world is dangerous. And so uh, the government, through the Inflation Reduction Act, and uh, the uh, chips bill to bring um, computer chips production back home. Um, all of these are attempts to uh, reshore or bring back jobs here in the United States in production to try to reduce our 
vulnerability to supply chain problems abroad. Um, now, um, one has to be careful to make sure that's done efficiently and that's done uh, with workers' rights and workers' interests at heart and not just the big corporations. So there are a lot of issues involved there, but in general, it seems to me that it's the right way to go. We are going to take a break. We're right now talking to Jerry Epstein. He's a professor of economics and a co-director of the Political Economy Research Institute. There's a conference that sounds extremely interesting, covering some very important topics about our economic health and viability. It's going to be this Friday and Saturday, December 2nd to 3rd, and you can find out all about it by going to the Political Economy Research Institute. That's Perry, P-E-R-I, website and sign up for this conference. We're going to be back. When we come back, Jerry, I'd like to ask you the question I led with, which is the House just um, approved legislation to avert a rail shutdown, which requires unions to take, um, uh, accept certain terms uh, by congressional decree signed by the the pro-labor president, um, and 79 Republicans joined the, the Democrats in voting overwhelmingly for this Bill, I want to know how you think the, the allegation is that if we don't do it, this rail shutdown can cripple our economy. I want to find out more about that from you when we come back right after these messages. Okay. Stay with us, folks. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control uh, by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 101.5, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. If you are into free, you'll love Greenfield Savings Bank's free checking. Of course, there are no monthly fees and no fees for check or deposit transactions. But that's just the beginning. With GSB free checking, you get free online banking, free e-statements, and free GSB mobile app, which lets you bank from anywhere, anytime, including depositing checks from your mobile device. Plus, GSB online banking and the GSB mobile app come with the free GSB credit center where you can get your credit score and credit report for free. And the GSB mobile app also lets you control your GSB debit card remotely from your mobile device, which also comes free with your GSB free checking account. You can also set up alerts and controls for your free GSB debit card. Open your account online or at any of our offices. And did I mention the free welcome gift when you open your account? Switch to free at Greenfield Savings Bank. Greenfield Savings Bank. Greenfieldsavings.com. Member FDIC, member DIF. Mobile carrier charges may apply. Welcome the arrival of the new year in the heart of historic Old Deerfield at the Friends of Deerfield Jubilee. On New Year's Eve, we're kicking off a year-long celebration of Deerfield's 350th anniversary. Enjoy a gourmet dinner, cash bar, raffles, and music by the O-Tones of Northampton. Tickets are $100 or $180 for two. For tickets and more information, please visit friendsofdeerfield.org. Thank you to our sponsors, Greenfield Savings Bank, AFI Furnishings, and Ralph's Blacksmith Shop. Want to support the kind of talk you hear on the afternoon buzz? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And you'll be supporting the local news, Valley Talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. 
If your Spanish-speaking employees spoke better English, would that be good for business? If your English-speaking employees spoke a little Spanish, would that be good for business? The International Language Institute delivers workplace language training, improving communication among coworkers and with customers. You get financial assistance with the Massachusetts Workplace Training Express Fund. They cover 50 to 100% of the cost. So let's get going. Call or email the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are with Professor Jerry Epstein, uh, the economics uh, professor at UMass and the co-director of the Political Economy Research Institute, which uh, is going to be having a conference this weekend, this Friday and Saturday, which is just so full of edifying workshops um, that anybody who's really interested in understanding what's going on with our policy and our economic um, situation is a perfect conference for you. I wanted to um, follow up on what I asked you about, Jerry, before we took mm -hmm. a break. The House just overwhelmingly passed this tentative rail agreement to prevent a, uh, a rail shutdown, a strike. Um, and it seems like it was remarkably bipartisan. I, I, we used to have that word in our vocabulary, and <laughs> sounds like it was here, probably because it was against uh, forcing the workers to do something. <laughs> it was bipartisan. But I wanted to ask you, the, the allegation by the president, who, who says that he's pro-labor, and I believe in his heart, he probably uh, honestly thinks of himself that way, um, this is sort of uh, shoving terms down uh, the throats of four of the 12 unions involved in the uh, possible uh, rail shutdown, and the president says there will be dire economic consequences if we do have such a shutdown. So what's your take on this? Well, I think it, um, it is a dilemma, and uh, because these railroads are so important, and I just described all these supply-side problems we have that are hurting the economy and clearly transport goods, especially just before um, Christmas and so forth, is, is uh, a problem. On the other hand, um, the situation that these w workers on the railroads face uh, ha has been extremely difficult for for uh, a long time. I mean, they for a long time were, were working without any raises, and uh, I think a big dispute now in these in the, among these unions that won't s sign on to the contract is the lack or perhaps even absence of sick days. I mean, the idea that these workers uh, would have to you know, work on the railroads and not have any sick days is, is, does seem outrageous. During a pandemic. During a pandemic, During yeah. During a pandemic, right. So what I would hope is that, well, the Congress passed it. What I would hope is that they would, that Biden was di would direct his uh, labor secretary, um, former mayor of, uh, of Boston, um, to really push... The, the railroads very hard um, to uh, improve the contract, that is, sick days and other things like that, uh, and threaten that next time around they're not going to prevent the strike. Um, uh, so really put, put the screws to them because it's really not a fair, a fair deal that they're getting. Here, here, I think I completely agree with your assessment. So I, I want to ask you generally, what do you think of the government response to this um, inflationary um, trending that we see, in particular the federal policy, the, the Fed policy. What do you well, think? Well, the Federal Reserve policy is absolutely the wrong policy. Um, the, 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 the government policy, which is, allow, which is encouraging the Fed to do what it's doing, is to uh, raise interest rates and generate a uh, higher unemployment um, and essentially put the whole solution for the inflation problem on the backs of workers. Um, so th they want to raise interest rates and um, slow down the economy, meaning workers are going to lose their jobs, and it's going to reduce their bargaining power, so they're not going to be able to demand sick days or better working conditions or higher wages. Um, and the Federal Reserve thinks that this is going to slow down inflation, which it eventually will, but at a very high cost, and perhaps it will take a long time. Um, and it's just not fair. I mean, the workers who haven't had um, much of an increase in their real wages for decades, they're getting have been getting a, some real wage increases recently, and just when they are, the, the Fed wants to, to um, 
to to destroy that possibility. So um, it's not a good policy. It's not an efficient policy because it comes at a huge cost to the whole economy, not just the workers. So there's, there, there are better ways to do this. Can, can you give us some alternatives? Yeah. So so I described um, the the major sources of the inflation, that is the the supply side problems, the supply chain problems. So um, that is, those are actually easing. I mean, the government has done some things to ease those problems. Um, and um, I think those are, are dissipating uh, uh, to some extent. Uh, the second, though, um, is the uh, certain, certain key sectors where there's a lot of inflation. So, for example, housing costs and rental costs and so forth are a really big problem. Uh, the government should subsidize those. Um, they should uh, they should subsidize uh, housing and, and energy costs as well as a, that's another important one uh, for uh, working class and, and poor families um, to help them get through this uh, because inflation is going to come down. The oil prices are already starting to come down, etc. The supply shortages are getting better. It will come down, and so the government has to help the poor and the working class people get through this. How are they going to pay for that? Well, one way they could pay for that is putting a, a profits tax, an excess profits tax, not only on the oil companies that are making record profits, but also um, these other uh, corporations that, as I su- said earlier, have been really widening their profit margins, um, gouging pe- uh, people with higher prices, uh, taking advantage of, the, of these supply shortages. So they should tax these excess profits and and have hand them back to working class and poor people so they can get through the winter and wait out um uh this inflation which is going to be coming down over the next year um i wanted to just quickly add something you you talked about uh energy prices i wanted to also mention food prices is the other big contributor to this That's but right. you know if there were f- federal investments and in sort of maybe local food production or stimulate sort of food production here at home which we uh could be doing into getting people sort of nutritious food locally you know outside of energy and food really inflation is not really skyrocketing like i think everybody is seeing it as so it's, it's I just only quick energy mention. food and rental and housing and rental housing yeah yeah. yeah, it's in those areas which are uh, don't have much competition, where they yeah. sort of, you know, it's yeah. a, a yeah. seller's market. But yeah. um, I am just so grateful. Uh, I feel I feel sorry for you, uh, Jerry Epstein, because now you're going to have to suffer another invitation from me because you're just a terrific guest. Talk well, about thank these you. And, and suffering is not. Uh, <laughs> it would be my great pleasure and honor to uh, do this again. Sometime. That's great. So one more time, we just want to talk about this conference for one more yep. moment. You have this conference coming up this weekend. Let's tell us about it and how to how to sign up for it. Right. So Friday and Saturday, uh, starting uh, at uh, 9.30 in the morning on Friday, and I think it's 9 o'clock on Saturday, Global Inflation Today, What is to be Done? Um, there are uh, 15 to 20 uh, presenters who are talking about various aspects of the causes uh, of inflation, the critique of, of monetary policy and how it could be better, and solutions to inflation. Um, and you can sign up uh, and, uh, at www.peri.umass.edu, and I hope, I hope you'll join us. I hope people join you, too. It is uh, you and Bob Pollan and um, the terrific economics department and STEPIC uh, department that we have at our state university. We're just, it's a treasure we're lucky to have you. I'm sure the conference is going to be incredibly edifying. Well, thank you so much. That's so, so kind of you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Everybody else, we're going to be back. Nan Parati's interesting thing this week will be, well, Nan Parati. We'll be back with Nan right after these messages. Do stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Massachusetts Governor-elect Maura Keeley is praising the U.S. Senate for passing legislation that protects same-sex marriage. 
Healy tweeted, your marriage should be recognized and respected across the country, no matter who you love. We laid the groundwork for marriage equality right here in Massachusetts. Legislation now moves to the House for a final vote. A Northampton man will spend five years in state prison and lose his license for 15 years after pleading guilty to a hit-and-run accident that killed a Shelburne woman in 2021. 45-year-old Rhonda Thompson was killed while walking with a friend around 6.30 a.m. in the breakdown lane of Route 2 in Shelburne on June 8, 2021. 53-year-old Peter Toomey never slowed down after he struck Thompson and sped off. Thompson died at the scene. Family members and friends spoke out in court, saying they're disappointed with the punishment, which they believe is too lenient. A local farmer appreciation party is being held tonight honoring Western Massachusetts farmers. The event will be held at Smith College Campus Center for all Western Mass farmers who applied for a local farmer award. The party reinforces that farmers' presence and their ongoing productivity are very important to the region. The event will be held from 5 to 7 p.m. with over 130 farmers, funders, and friends expected to attend. Rain and wind this afternoon. That rain heavy at times. Gusts over 30 miles per hour, a high of 52 to 56. Showers fairly quickly taper off this evening. Then it's windy and clearing overnight, a low of 24 to 30. Mostly sunny, windy tomorrow, a high of 40 to 44. Mid to upper 40s and dry on Friday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. This Bonafide Minute is brought to you by New England Orthopedic Surgeons of Western Mass. Your shoulder. It's one of the largest and most complex joints in your body, consisting of the bones of the upper arm, shoulder blade, and collarbone, and the rotator cuff, a collection of muscles and tendons that not only surround the shoulder, but give it support and a wide range of motion. Hi, this is Dr. Jenny Garber, arthroscopic and shoulder surgeon at New England Orthopedic Surgeons. Competitive hockey and basketball players can sustain shoulder injuries such as shoulder separation and dislocation and tears of ligaments and tendons from sliding into the boards, falling on the ice or court, or direct contact. But shoulder sprains, strains, and tears can also occur in us regular folks at Sunday pickup games, during dreaded winter shoveling, or even through wear and tear over time. So whether you're a professional athlete, weekend warrior, or someone in between, you can trust the team at New England Orthopedic Surgeons to give you the best bona fide care around. Visit neortho.com to schedule your appointment today. I see somebody dressed up as uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer running. We have uh, someone as a Christmas tree. It yes. looks like they are wearing pine needles. Yes. I don't know if that makes it more or less fun to run in. This Sunday, the hot chocolate run for Safe Passage is back. And WHMP will be there live, broadcasting from the run in downtown Northampton. Safe Passage is the Hampshire County organization addressing domestic violence. you still got time to sign up to run, walk, or volunteer. Then share your fundraising page with family and friends to create year-round support for survivors of domestic violence. Join us live in person in downtown Northampton this Sunday or join us right here on WHMP for the live broadcast of the Hot Chocolate Run for Safe Passage. When you look at this event, does it say something to you about Northampton as a community? It's a remarkable testament to what people can do when they're all working on the same issue. WHMP's support of the Hot Chocolate Run is made possible by Whalen Insurance Northampton. Local people, local service, local insurance. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back. It is the interesting thing time. <laughs> Nan Parati, Nan Parati, what is your interesting thing for today? Me. You are the interesting thing I for you? I am. I'm so excited. Yes, okay. finally it's about me. Let's talk. I know from our previous conversation that you have something Interesting, but important to talk about. Yeah. So we've been talking, of course, with young, a lot of young people, and of course, Carter Carter, the psychiatrist who works with young people, about the anxiety and a lot of issues that kids are worried about these days. And I say kids from little kids to big kids to grown to in their 20s. There's a lot to worry about. And what I've been thinking about is inner strength and how that comes about and where it comes from. And I want to talk about it because I want to tell some stories. I love storytelling. Yes, and you I wanted, do. Huh? You're good at it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I want to tell some stories about things that happened earlier in life, in my life, and I'm sure you guys' life will come up too, because, I th- and, and these are stories that are sometimes difficult, but they're real, and they are things that helped me 
become a stronger person in life. And so that's what I'm going to talk about. And um, and then in the next few weeks, I'd like to have some other guests who are professionals talking about the sort of thing, but how to become strong in one's life. Back in the 1970s, early, late 70s, 78 and 79, I got to travel, I got to study in Germany. And then in that time, I also got to travel because all I had to do was prove I could speak German. I learned German. It was great. I got to travel. Got to do anything I want. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> nicht, noch nicht. <laughs> um, and so I, what I ended up studying was Russian and Arabic in the university and then just traveling. And an early, and again, I, wanted, I do want to say these are just stories. If people get something from this, this is good. I'm not, I'm not putting it on someone. I'm just saying this is what happened to me, and maybe it, it creates some thought processes in other people. So and the, the cheapest way to travel in those days was to hitchhike. And not a lot of women were hitchhiking, I think, more so in Europe than in America. But I stuck my thumb out there and, and hitchhiked and got picked up by a Dutch truck driver. And I was, it was in Switzerland. I was living in Germany. I was going Lord knows where. This was 40 years ago. I got picked up by a Dutch truck driver and didn't speak Dutch. He didn't speak English. Nobody, he didn't speak German. So we just sat in silence for many, 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 many miles until he decided it was time to play. And he pulled the truck over. And all of a sudden, I realized he was able to say in German, ich will, ich will, which means I want, I want. And he had his way with me. I was pretty new to that whole experience in those days. I had made a choice earlier on in life that my mom had said, actually, um, sex changes everything. Once you start engaging in that, then you're worried about things all the time. You're worried about so much stuff. Put that off as long as you can. So I actually had. And so this was kind of a new experience. I wasn't looking for it. And all of a sudden, it's happening. And then he put me out of his truck and drove off. And I'm sitting there on the side of a mountain in Switzerland. A really horrible thing has just happened to me. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to handle it. I didn't know how I was even going to get off the side of this mountain in Switzerland to even get to a train station to do anything in the world. So I was sitting, and I remember so well, sitting on the side of this alp, looking down into this gorgeous valley, having had this horrible, horrible thing just happen to me, and figure out, what do I do? How do I? I mean, I was freaking out. You can imagine all the things that were happening in my brain. And I thought, I've got to get from here to there. How am I going to do this? And what I came up with at that moment was, all right, I'm just going to pretend so I can get through this. I'm going to pretend that I went to a bar and picked up a guy. And that's all that happened. Now, this is what I'm going to pretend right now, just so I can get through this, because I had to figure out a way to get from A to B right then. So that's what I decided. I, I knew it wasn't the truth, but that was where I was going to put my brain for that moment. This, I just went to, a, you know, what's work? It's the same thing. I just went to a bar, picked up a guy, whatever happened. Like, people do it all the time. I just happened to be not, not good at this. And then had to continue hitchhiking. I didn't have a choice. The next person who picked me up was um, from, I remember he was from an Arab-speaking country. My Arabic was not that good, plus Arabic is different in every country. But I figured out in that time, sitting there on that alp, looking down, that my big mistake was that I had not been a person to this person. And I needed to become a person from there on at all times. So this guy and I didn't really have a common language, the next guy who picked me up. Uh, he spoke Arabic, a little English, a little German. I spoke a little Arabic, a lot of English, good German, but we didn't have a real common language. But I did not care. And I was determined that guy was going to talk to me. And I talked to him. And I asked him questions, mostly asked him questions and said, so tell me about your family. <laughs> tell me about your wife. Tell me about your daughters. Tell me about your mother. And I just kept, as well as I could, in any language I could find, peppering him with questions about his, the women who mean something to him in his life. That, we, we, we keep driving through Switzerland. We finally get to the German border. And it's a German holiday. And they've closed the border. And you can't pass through. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm in serious trouble now. What am I going to do now? And he said to me, in his broken languages there that we, you know, combined there, he said, essentially, I picked you up for one thing, and I can't do that now. I can't do that now. And he kept saying, I cannot do this. You be careful. You be careful. And so our, the relationship completely changed to, you be careful, him taking care of me. I ended up having to sleep in that truck that night. And he didn't do a thing. He was very, very 
protective. The next day, okay, I'm taking you this place. You be careful. You be careful. Be careful. And I realized at that point, so many things, so many things. One, being a real person at all times so that I'm always interacting with people and 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 making them see me, not not forcing them to see me, but inviting them to see me as a real person was very, very helpful. The other thing I learned on that same trip, and, and you know, there was... I, I, at that time, I wanted to see the world, literally. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to do everything in the world I could to see everything in the world. And what I also learned at that, in that incident was when you realize something bad is going to happen, take it on yourself. Take it, I take it on myself, rather, to go to what's the worst thing that can happen in this point? What can happen? What's the worst thing that can happen? And then work backwards. Okay, deal with that. Okay, the worst thing that can happen is such and such. And then work backwards. All right, how do I make sure we don't get there? And it's a, a power within that helps tremendously. I was traveling by myself in Morocco not long after that, and I met a young man named Omar, who was about my age at that time. And he kept talking about we must become strong in this life. And it was a real time in my life about becoming strong. And, and we would sit up out late, late night and talk about becoming strong in this life. And it was incredibly powerful. It was a very, very powerful time for me. And I'm thinking about people who are young or even people who are not young <laughs> and, and come, becoming strong in this life, uh, what that does. And when you're in a situation, a really bad situation, which we all have all the time, how do, to, to, to find the ways to confront those situations and not roll up in anxiety because it doesn't really get us a lot of places to roll up in anxiety. And, um, and these are the things I've been thinking about and the things I want to kind of share with people. And I'm, I'm really kind of figuring out, is there a way to, to really do this? I don't know. But beyond, you know, talking about it now, but I don't know, workshops or whatever, I don't know. But learning, because it is so empowering to be your own person, to be able to look at the, 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 your worst dangers in the face and work back from them. Um, I, of course, later on became, I go, I worked in, I work in festivals where all day, every day, anything could happen. You've got 100,000 people there, and I'm not talking about necessarily dangerous things, but even within your own department, I'm in the art department, I'm always having to think, okay, what's going to happen? Okay, we've got to make sure this doesn't happen. i got to make sure this doesn't happen. What's the worst thing that can happen? The producer's very, very, very upset. Okay, that's the worst thing. How do I, how do I work our way back? Um, and I, I am so thankful for having learned within myself so many years ago to how to how to look this stuff in the face and deal with it so that now many many years later on all levels I can still deal with this wow <laughs> words fail me we are uh, here with Nan Parati talking about very personal and very important insights that she's garnered from the experiences she was just describing and many others we're going to be back with Nan right after these messages stay with us that i haven't already heard i'm just trying to find a decent melody this is the afternoon buzz with buzz eisenberg 101.5 whmp talk about perfection and kids and Christmas and expectations and creativity and friendship? Well, we will when we speak with Corinne Demas. She's a Mount Holyoke College professor, the fiction editor at the Massachusetts Review, and her new book is The Perfect Tree. Please join us Thursday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. At American National, what's important to you is important to us. Just like every horse is unique, so is our equine coverage. 
American Nationals Equine Owners Insurance is designed to address the inherent risks involved with owning horses. Flexible enough to provide property and liability coverage for operations of various sizes, yet can be tailored for your specific needs. We're right by your side. For more information, just visit AmericanNational.com. American National Property and Casualty Company and Affiliates, Springfield, Missouri. A little bit of hammering and a little bit of humoring. Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford. Home improvement ideas and advice. Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford. Sundays at noon, 101.5-1400-1240. WHMP. For complete contest rules for WHMP, please visit WHMP's website at whmp.com and click on the Contest and Rules tab. Business imposter scams are now the most common phone tech scams in the U.S. Ben Verified's recent analysis of more than 165,000 phone scam complaints shows 15% of all scams play up that angle. Amazon and Apple are among the most impersonated companies. The Food and Drug Administration has sent warning letters to seven companies it says have gone too far in claiming their dietary supplements can cure, treat, mitigate, or prevent cardiovascular disease or related conditions. The FDA says the supplements are unapproved drugs. The U.S. Postal Service has released its official deadline list for shipping gifts to ensure they make it to their intended recipients by Christmas Day. The deadline for shipping via USPS Ground is December 17th. If you're using Priority Mail Express, you have until the 22nd. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we're back with Nan Parati's weekly segment, The Interesting Thing, and she's talking now about her path to finding inner strengths um, um, for her lifetime. Yeah, yeah. I also, you know, another thing that, like I said, I work in festivals, which is always, you're always on heightened alert, not in a, necessarily in a negative, scary, scary way, but just, like I said, making sure things happen. The, the, the musicians, you know, arrive on time. Just everything works, and you've got to always make sure that things are going well. The other thing I did in life was own a restaurant, which is one of the scariest things in the world one can do, because you've got so many people depending on you once again. And we did catering. One time I went in, and this is an important story because, just imagine this, I... I we're, we've got the wedding happening. The, everything is going fine. I walk into the kitchen, making sure everything is going well, and the chef is drunk, drunk, drunk. And he says, let him wait. I'm going to cook when I get good and ready. And I've got an entire wedding outside and a chef who's not ready to cook. And we're supposed to start serving in a few moments. And so I figure, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? We don't have any food. Okay, let me work back on that. I'm, look, I'm watching the chef, and I said, can I have it by a certain time? And he actually said yes. So I worked back. Okay, what, what is my compromise here? And I figured it out. I worked out a compromise with the chef, and I went across to the wedding. And I said, okay, I think what we're going to do, it's such a gorgeous day. I mean, I'm, and I'm inventing as I go. It's such a gorgeous day. Let's start with, this, with the entertainment now. Let's dance. So we did. We danced and danced. I mean, I, they didn't. I was busy running back and forth. But we did it when we got it, and it, all the food came out in time. But that's a terrifying sort of thing, you know. To, to, but you, but it is that that strength that happened all the way through there, starting with really and truly with that same sort of that that same incident I was just telling you about, that builds it and helps you figure out where you're going to go. It doesn't always have to be that dramatic by any means, but throughout life there's stuff, and if if we can figure out. The ways to always to, to, to figure out how we're going to do this, we don't need as much, I think, I feel like. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm missing the point. Because, okay. I mean, fear fear is a, a natural, mm-hmm. is a healthy thing. Yeah, exactly. It's how we avoid getting hurt. Right, right, in right. In a thousand different ways. So, so I'm not sure inner strength always comes... I mean, it does come mm-hmm. from having experienced fear and and confronting it and handling it well. But mm-hmm. um, I don't see the symmetry between the way you handled the second driver, mm-hmm. which was to engage him so that he knew you were a person, not an object, mm-hmm. like the first driver right. who abused you, took advantage of you, did. Uh-huh. 
but and and the guile which you exhibited in telling patrons that it's a nice day, let's wait for our food. Mm-hmm. I don't see the connection. The connection is for me that having when you when some, when really bad and scary things happen, if you can rise to them and learn from them, it helps you the rest of the way through your life. Whether it is as like I said, as if it's as bad as it was the the big thing in the beginning, or just making sure that because it's terrifying to be the caterer of a wedding and have all of a sudden you've got no food. So even though it's a different level of terror, there's still some terror in there. And so it is not being overwhelmed by the terror, but learning from every bad thing that happens to us how to handle it instead of running away from it is what I'm talking about. So that when it, yeah. Had had that happened to you before previously in terms of the catering? Like, would the, did you base your uh, response from previous experience or had that been the first time? Um, I mean, throughout life, I mean, there, was, there have been different, all kinds of different things. I mean, I can go all the way back through, hmm. through you know, through life. There's all kinds of stuff happens. Um, but like, again, every time something bad happens, facing it, go, and like I said, my, and my go-to thing without even having to think about it is I think, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? Okay, we're not going to have any food for this wedding. Okay, let me work back. What's the, how do, how do I handle that? How do I handle this? How do I handle mm. this? To, until I come up with a solution. Mm. Um, and it... Has it not worked out for you before in another situation? No, actually, it always works. It always works. It really <laughs> and truly always works. And um, in fact, I had a producer one time say to me, you know what, one thing I like about you, you always, and he used a word that I can't see on the radio, uh, make miracles happen. You always excrete miracles <laughs> for me, and um, and he see that's how he sees me because I am able to take things that are really scary that could be really bad happening. And okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? Let's turn it back into the best thing. And maybe it's not the perfect thing that happens, but it it works, and it is a a way for people to handle that terror instead of falling apart. And my whole thing is, let's not fall apart. Let's look at the worst thing and work backwards and make it make it work. Well, we got another two minutes. You want to give us another quick story? <laughs> um, let's see. Gosh. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've got so many. Um, well, I guess, I mean, I'm just yeah, asking a question. Ahead. I mean, isn't, uh, the problem some people have is when they're in fearful situations, they it's very difficult to step back mm-hmm. and gain some perspective and be able to accurately assess what's going on. And it's not the end of the world. It's just a bump that you have to surmount, right? right. So that it, it, if I'm going to, my takeaway is uh-huh. keep your perspective. Keep right? your perspective, I mean, exactly. And and um, try to accurately assess what is in front of you. Exactly. Right. That's exactly what I am saying. And and I, tell, I do it through storytelling. You do it through analytical. But yes, you're absolutely right. Yes, keep that perspective and 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 facing the fear, facing the fears, facing the terror, and make it work for you, and learn from it, and make it work for you, is the most important thing I think we can do. What if you have anxiety, as like maybe a wedding would freak you out, and you know you're going to have angry people at you, and then you're not thinking clearly? You have well, twenty seconds to answer that question. That's what I'm saying. If you do this from the very beginning, then by that time that wedding comes along, you'll be able to think clearly. That's what I'm working on. That's what I'm talking about is developing that. So, Ren, you have decided in coming weeks what you want to do is continue to explore mm-hmm. how do we find inner strength right. to help us for the rest of our lives. Exactly, right? with, with, with real live guests. So it gives us a lot to look forward to in coming Wednesdays with Nan's interesting thing. But for today, we are out of time, unfortunately, and um, I'm very grateful every minute that I get to spend with guests like Nan. Thank you. And um, we'll be back tomorrow for both. uh, We're going to talk about sustainability again, and we're going to talk about jazz. Talk to you tomorrow. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Sunday mornings on WHMP means polka, polka carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award-winning polka carousel to the airwaves of the Valley. News and talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station.